Burnout across the bedside nursing profession is gaining more and more national attention, as it should. However, burnout in nursing leadership is only now just starting to be recognized as a serious concern. So why is that? And if you are feeling the effects of burnout, what can you do to get out of it? So let's talk with someone who's gone through it from burnout to success as we talk with Chris Burley, unit manager, medical intensive care unit at the University of Rochester Medical Center. This is Today in Nursing Leadership, a podcast from the American Organization for Nursing Leadership. I'm Bill Klaproth. Chris, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate this. So as I said, burnout in nursing leadership is only now just starting to be recognized as a serious concern by the healthcare community. Why do you think that is? I think there's a few things that contribute to that. I would say one of the, the biggest things is there's this unhealthy expectation among nurse leaders. And, and I would say that personally, I would say professionally and, and even publicly that leadership is supposed to be able to handle everything. The euphemism out there of, of you can't pour from an empty bucket. But I think, unfortunately, with nursing leadership, the assumption, like you said, across the board is that nursing leadership has a larger bucket than everybody else. And I think there's just the assumption with the mantle of nursing leadership that we can take on more, we can handle more, that we're able to respond more and, and be more adaptable. And certainly over the past couple of years, nurses have had to do that. And so I think that's where a lot of it comes from is just there is this unhealthy assumption that we can do more. And I think we're just, especially in light of what's happened over the past couple of years, we're recognizing our limitations. And I think part of it too is with a lot of the research that's done out there about burnout and everything, it's done by nurse leaders. It's done by people in leadership positions. And they're looking at how to help their staff, support their staff. And there isn't a lot of time and focus looking in the mirror and saying, what's going on with nursing leadership? And it's making us ask these questions and trying to come up with the hard answers to these questions as well. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, there's higher expectations on nurse leaders, but nurse leaders can also fall victim to burnout. As your story tells us, of course, you're the unit manager of the medical intensive care unit at the University of Rochester Medical Center. Chris, what's your story of getting burned out? Share with us what you were going through. Certainly, yeah. It's probably a fairly similar story to a lot of leaders out there. I was a couple years into my formal leadership journey. I've been a nurse for 13 years now, spent most of that at the bedside. The past four years have been in official leadership. And uh, I was a couple years into it and could certainly feel the weight of leadership and some of the stress that comes along with being a unit manager. But thinking that this is all kind of normal and part of the job of handling personnel and, and expectations for the unit and balancing metrics and finances and all the normal things that go with this job, then this funny little thing called COVID came along and it really turned out for all of us, turned our world on its head. And I think very similar to, again, every leader out there, I was faced with a lot of unknown, a lot of hard choices. Things were scary. Things were hard. It was very difficult to know how to lead a unit during that time. For me personally, when the first wave started back in early 2020, my unit was actually broken up and disbanded across the ICUs at our hospital. So I didn't even have an actual unit to manage. I still had my staff, certainly, but that was its own flavor in all of this, I guess I would say. And that was a really hard couple months of trying to keep 
some sort of unit identity together amongst the staff. But thankfully, we made it through that. The unit came back together, and we were feeling relieved, like, okay, like we made it through this wave. And there was that adrenaline that, that got myself and the unit through that. But then we faced round two of it, and we didn't actually get broken up. The second time, we ended up physically having to move my unit a couple of times as things unfolded with the next wave at the end of 2020 and then the beginning of 2021. After we had come back home and settled back into the unit again, I would say some of the cracks forming for me, because this wasn't just a one and done anymore. There's this realization that the adrenaline isn't going to carry me anymore, that there's some baggage that came with all this that was already kind of there, again, just kind of from the position itself, but recognizing that the past couple of years had been really rough and there's a lot of baggage that I was carrying around from the decisions that I had had to make personally and professionally, just feeling stretched very thin, like a lot of, I'm sure, leaders were at that time. That's why just kind of hit the breaking point for me, just recognizing and feeling that what am I doing in this role? I think a very similar trajectory to a lot of nurses, but that's kind of what got me into that burned out dark place. So you said through the pandemic, you made it through the first wave, but then, then the second wave hit. Oh, no. And you said you felt the cracks were starting to form. You said you were carrying around a lot of baggage. And at the end, you're questioning, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Is that right? Yes. Was there anything else, Chris, as far as the effects of burnout that you were going through? Any other outward symptoms and things that you were thinking or behaviorally doing when you felt like, man, I, I am burned out? Yeah, I was able to keep that face again. There's that expectation of leadership of still being here, still pulling the insane hours, still doing all the functions of the job. So in that sense, you know, from the outside, things were looking okay. But for my family, certainly that was with me through this. And those in my leadership team and for my supervisor, they knew the strain that was there and they knew that I was not, again, like in a good place. A lot of it was just mentally just not having the ambition, not having the drive, struggling with sleep, struggling with self-care habits, but they needed to be there that weren't just being very distant, even though I'd be physically present in a spot that mentally I was very not present. I was not there. A lot of the things we hear about with burnout were very much at play in my life. But again, doing a serviceable job, I suppose, masking all of it at work. So you were still showing up, you're still doing the job, but inside there were a lot of things going on. And even outwardly, you said sleep was not good. Healthcare habits were kind of falling by the wayside. You were distant, right? I would imagine with social interactions and your family potentially, right? So probably things you said, this is not me. This is not who I am. Usually I'm up on these things. Was that kind of the case? Yeah, especially after that second wave, there was just this, and I can't exactly put a finger on when it was, but there was that moment where I had enough self-awareness, we hit a low enough point where you just, I was able to look at it with a bit of perspective finally, that isn't me, that emotionally I am snappy and not patient with people as much as I need to be. Certainly my family took a lot of that, and I hear that from a lot of managers that they can keep it together at work, but certainly their home lives are where things are hitting the fan. There's a lot of pieces to sleep, the self-care habits, all that was not in a good place. So, Chris, having recognized this, having a little perspective, saying, wait a minute, this is not me. There's definitely something wrong here. How did you come out of it? And maybe you could share some other tips on, on what people can do who might be feeling the same thing. Maybe other symptoms, more severe symptoms, drinking more heavily. We've heard of those things, other types of addictions, neglecting social interactions and in their family, getting violent at home, those types of things. What can someone do if they're feeling the effects of burnout? Someone who might be listening to this right now going, 
uh, this is me. I need help. What did you do and what can people do? Yeah, I think that's why I wanted to kind of tell my story for what it's worth, because I think it is a very typical story. I think there are a lot of nurse leaders and bedside nurses that are going through this. And unfortunately, we're really good at caring for others, but we are not the best at caring for ourselves. And the first step for me was just that breakdown of admission that I was not in a good place. And that was on a number of levels. I think my director know where I was at, having a real honest conversation with my wife about where I was at with my leadership team and eventually to the unit. It really came to the point where I recognized after a couple waves of COVID, recognizing that we weren't really sure what was going to happen at the end of 2021. Were we going to go into another wave of this? And certainly we did. So some of it was just that ambition with with people on appropriate levels of transparency. I've been able to kind of keep this up for a while, but it's not sustainable. So that was one of the first things. And kind of coinciding with that, I did actually end up taking a leave of absence from work. And I'm very thankful that my director was as supportive as she was of me taking that time away, that my unit was supportive, that my leadership team was supportive of it. Because that really provided me some time to have some perspective, to really take that time to reflect and look back on the past couple of years and also look at myself and say, what do I need? So that was one of the big steps. And then the other big thing that was super helpful throughout all this was, was having people to touch base and check in with. I was part of AONL's Nurse Manager Fellowship. I was part of the 2020 cohort, and it was obviously not what we had anticipated was going to happen for us that year. But as the world changed, as things changed, my cohort, we stayed in really close contact with each other. We used GroupMe texting to touch base. We sent emails. We had resiliency check-ins that AONL provided with Deb Girardi, and that was super, super helpful to recognize that we weren't alone in this. And I think that was a big thing for me because leadership, there is this expectation that you can handle. And if you can't, there's something wrong with you because all the other nurse leaders are able to keep themselves together and do their job. But Having that accountability, having that ability to be in touch with nurse leaders across the country and hear that, hey, they're dealing with the same things that I'm dealing with. Like, this is normal and it's a bit of a euphemism, but it's okay to not be okay right now because this isn't what we signed up for. So those are some big pieces. I ended up going through some counseling as well as part of this. Those are all pieces initially that I took to kind of help reset. And coming back from my leave of absence, a lot of it's been having to kind of put some guardrails in place. And for me personally, and that with regards to my work and recognize where are my limits? What can I do? I think part of it too is just even tracking. It's something so simple, but even part of just trying to track my own hours. I think for a lot of nurse leaders, that sounds kind of crazy. Like, well, I'm a nurse leader. Like, I work 50, 60 hours a week. I can't keep track of that. But even just little bits of that were very eye-opening to recognize how much time you are spending, how much time I was spending on my job, both when I was here at work and at home. I think that's the big killer for a lot of nurse leaders is even when you're home, you're not off of work. There's still an email. There's still a text message. There's still a phone call to respond to. So even little things like that were really eye-opening and were very revealing. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us, Chris. That really is helpful. A couple of things I wrote when you were talking about, it sounds like one of the first things that's really important is recognizing that you're not in a good place, not trying to cover it up with things or putting on that brave face. I'm going to go in there and just kind of smile and grit my teeth and bear it and get through it. No, recognizing you're in a bad place, certainly, it sounds like a step one. And then uh, you said you took a little bit of time away and really figured out what it is that you need. And you said the AONL Nurse Manager Fellowship really helped you through that as well. And that is uh, something great and is available for people to tap into if they need help. And you said hearing from other people going through the same thing made you feel 
good too. Hey, I'm not the only one going through this. This is normal. We, we Many nurse leaders are going through this as well. So, and then you said you had some guardrails trying to track your own hours to help you combat future burnout. Any other guardrails that you've put in place, Chris, to help you stay on that even plane and not fall back into burnout? Sure. Yeah. Other things too is, again, trying to build up my leadership team and really trying to delegate to them, recognizing the support that I have as a nurse. We're really, really good to a problematic degree of taking things on and feeling like we can solve these problems and asking for help. I'm still continuing with some of the things that I've done initially. I still with counseling. That's improving super helpful. I still stay in touch, even though our cohort has officially ended to the fellowship still staying in touch with people in that program and still bouncing ideas off of each other. Those are relationships that are not going to go anywhere for me personally or professionally because we went through health together. And to be able to stay in touch with them has been great to have that accountability to be a standing board for each other, to support each other's wins, to support each other in our losses and everything have proven really helpful to kind of keep me kind of on the straight and narrow, I guess, as it were, coming back through this. And that's, again, like something I would just want anyone who's going through this to hear like there is help out there certainly and find those people that you can trust whether that's personally or professionally find those sounding boards find those people that you can rely on because it's very easy to go through this dark place alone and it doesn't have to be that way yeah great advice chris thank you for that and a couple of things you said you did there delegate more ask for help stay in touch with the people you were involved with in the Nurse Manager Fellowship. So all of that is really good. Any guardrails did you put on at home? I'm not going to try to answer emails or I'm going to make sure that I pay more attention to my family. I'm going to try to leave work at work when I get home. Anything at home that you tried to do? Yeah, trying to set that time of, okay, when I'm home, I'm going to try as much as possible not to answer emails and phone calls and text messages because you really do train people how to treat you. And that's something even before the pandemic, I think, nursing leadership, I had to learn because you want to hit the ground running. You want to be available to your staff. You want to show that you're authentic and genuine, that you genuinely do care about your staff. So it's really easy to say, oh, I got an email. I got to respond to this. Oh, they call me or they text me. I need to respond to this. And it's really hard to shift that needle back and not check out and be like, oh, I'm not there right now. Like, that's not my problem because you're still responsible. Then you still need to support them. But just having those guardrails in place, even just mentally saying, like, is this something really that I need to answer at 530, 830 at night when I'm home with my family? Or is this something that I can touch base with them tomorrow morning. And I think it's really hard to start to shift that needle because it feels uncomfortable. It doesn't feel normal, but it's really important for me to recognize, like, I have to have some time away if I'm going to do the job well. And thankfully, my staff has been super understanding of that. They've been very supportive. Part of it, too, is like that was my communication doing this with them is recognizing, like, I want to be here for the long haul just to support them, to support the unit. We still have some big things ahead of us. And if I'm going to do my job well, I've got to have some margin. Like I said, they've been tremendously understanding of that. So I feel very fortunate in that regard. Yeah. So when you say I want to do my job well, I want to be there for my staff. It sounds like what you're saying is, and obviously nurse leaders need to take care of their mental health as well as there is a strong correlation between the health of bedside nursing and nursing leadership, right? So when nursing leadership is healthy and strong and in a good place, you are there to really help the bedside nurses as well if they're dealing with burnout as well, which is happening too. Is that right? 
Absolutely. Going back to the, you can't pour from an empty cup. Like as a nurse leader, we have to be well if we're going to take care of our staff. And that's something that's really hard for us to do because it feels selfish. It feels weird to do that as a nurse leader, but recognizing that the long-term benefit of it is completely worth it. Right. So give us the update then. Obviously, I think we know the answer, but it sounds like things have turned out good for you. So what is your life like today? Have you found that renewed purpose and focus and drive and passion that you said kind of left you when when you were burned out? Is that returned? Are you back? I think depending on the definition of burnout, there are some definitions of burnout that say once you're burned out, there's no coming back from that. I don't know if I totally agree with those kind of definitions. I would say that there is still that understanding that I need to be careful. Like certainly things are better. I do have more of that drive and that focus at work and I'm able to kind of balance things better. There is understanding of just kind of recognizing where I've been and how easy it is to slide back into that, especially as things are unknown. I mean, right now, COVID knock on wood seems to be in our area. Our numbers are doing better. Our rates are doing better. But again, we've been through multiple waves of this now where things kind of ease up a little bit and we think we're out of the woods and then it comes back with a vengeance. So it's hard to pop the champagne and feel like this is over and we can kind of move on because our experience does otherwise. So it's it's hard to feel really confident and, and move forward. But recognizing that we have been through a lot and we have come through a lot of things, again, as a profession, for me personally, I'm feeling a lot better. But again, just recognizing that there's some very real risks out there if I'm not careful and go back to some of those bad habits. And certainly if things take another turn with COVID, who knows what the next evolution of this will look like. So certainly in a better place. But like I said, it just time to be very cautiously optimistic, I guess I would say. Right. So would it be fair to say this is an ongoing process of self-care, of paying attention to your mental health? It's like you say, we're not popping the champagne. The pandemic is over. Life is back to normal. Who knows what's going to come up? And there still could be stresses and strains and external pressures. So this is something you're just on guard about and just constantly always watching. Absolutely. It's something to be aware of. And this has been underlying nursing leadership even before COVID. I think COVID, again, has certainly shed more of a light on it and just how dangerous and problematic nursing leadership burnout is. But it's definitely something that's going to be there regardless of a pandemic state or not. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, this has been fascinating. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there anything else you'd like to add? For anybody who is struggling with this, know that you're not alone. This is not just your problem or your fault or anything like that. This is something that many of us have had to work through and deal with. And there's a ton of support out there. And just have the courage to ask for help and have that courage to be appropriately vulnerable with those around you because there's no reason to go through it alone because we're all in nursing leadership and in healthcare. We're all in this together right now. And we've got to support each other. We've got to look out for each other. Yep. There's no reason to go through it alone. Very well said. Chris, thank you again. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your advice and tips and suggestions to help avoid burnout and how to get out of it if you're in a burned out state right now. Thank you again, Chris. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. And once again, that is Chris Burley. And for more information, you can visit AONL.org. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for topics of interest to you. This is Today in Nursing Leadership. Thanks for listening.